What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Two Minute Drill presented by Deep Dive Sports. You got the boys back in the office today. It's me, Dom, and David. As always, we're going to get started in our quarter one here, which is always our recap time. Um, Definitely a crazy week within college and professional football. We'll get right into it. We uh, First two topics here are going to be about blowouts. We'll get right into it with Colorado. Um, First, guys, your thoughts on the Colorado loss and then... You know, why did the game play out the way that it did? What's what's your honest opinion? Uh, David, we'll start with you. Um, I think that Colorado finally came down to earth a little bit, in a sense. Um, I think that they... I think the reason it played out the way that it did was because they started out hot uh, and didn't didn't really have like a, a at least a solid defense to play against yeah they came up against Colorado State and had some contention there but I think that Oregon showed that they had a little bit better of a defense and it caused some problems for that offense okay all right uh Dom what's your thoughts um, I think I think a lot of things about this game. Um, one, we need to, to calm down with, with the hype of some teams. Um, I know I know Prime is going to be a, a major factor in, in the amount of attention that his programs get, but we need to, I guess, cool down a little bit with, with our excitement around some programs. Colorado, they're a good team. They're an up-and-coming program, but anyone that thought that they were going to be a playoff contender this year or a title contender – it was was fooling themselves. Um, down the road, if Prime is able to stay there and develop the program, sure, yeah, I could see them becoming a title contender. Um, but you're not going to do that in one year after like 50 transfers, um, a bunch of young kids. Um, it's still too new for this program. Um, they finally played a legit opponent that's <laughs> probably – going to be contending for the playoffs unless something dramatic happens. Um, so when you play real competition for the first time, um, I don't know, maybe they were a little, uh, maybe, maybe they believed in themselves a little too much. They, they needed to be humbled a little bit, but um, I, I definitely don't think that they weren't prepared for the game. I just think that the level of competition that they played against Oregon was better than they've seen all season. And it kind of just hit him in the mouth. Yeah, I mean, it, the problem is, like, when you – if you go back and watch the the previous three games they played in, their run defense was god-awful. Like, teams were kind of able to run on them at will. So I'm not surprised that, like Dom said, it. I, I don't think it's their first, like, real talented team they played against. I, I think we kind of forget that TCU was in – the championship game last year they but did lost two thirds of their starting team so it the, doesn't it yeah, doesn't matter yeah, the, though yeah, it the doesn't, program went it doesn't it. matter though that's still they still have top level talent within college football they're still a top level program so i'm not saying that they're you know going to make the playoffs they're not even in the top 25 anymore but they they still they still have they still have a good program like they've they've been they've been in the mix of it the past 5 or 6 years within college football so they still have talent. They're not. It's not like that was a scrub game for Colorado. Now I'm not saying TCU is like 
is a top 10 team in the country. That's not what I'm saying. Obviously, they ran into Oregon, who is a top team in the country, and that is top 10 team in the country, and that is different. But they were able to handle their business against TCU. You know, obviously, Colorado State gave them some fits, and that should have been something that we looked at and went, ah, that doesn't look right. Um, going into Oregon, they, going they were into, losing and had to come back to that game. Yeah, going into Oregon and then going into USC, that should have been a question mark of like, hey, why did that happen? Why didn't they steamroll them like they – you know, they did the, the previous game. So I, I think that that the run defense was a big thing on this one. And I've I've said it to a bunch of people talking to him. And I think that they just don't have the depth. Like Dom said, they're super young. They had like 50 new transfers coming in. You don't really like, obviously, I don't think they're, they're a bad team, but I just don't think that they're capable of keeping up with the top 10 team in the country. Um, I do yes. think that, yeah, it's obviously like right now this year, no. Yeah. And, and Dion said it. He said this is going to be the worst that this team is going to be. You know what I mean? And I think that might be, you know, that's him. We don't know, obviously, what kind of recruits he's going to be able to get. Obviously, I think I think personally he's going to be able to recruit pretty much whoever he wants um, as long as they're okay with living in Colorado. But <laughs> I think that's pretty much where they're at. But I also think the other thing is, um, I oh, my gosh, it's on the – whoever the new co-host is with uh, – um, why can't I think of his name? The dude that used to have the show with Shannon Sharp. What's his name? Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless. There you go. One of the guys that's on there now, I forget his name, but uh, he was saying that he had heard in circles that um, basically they had prepared, that they hadn't seen a team prepare the way that they prepared to beat Colorado. Like Oregon basically made it their mission to bend Colorado over and show the world that they weren't shit. So I think there's a combination of you have a top 10 team in the country who has a very good chance of potentially going to the college football playoff as long as everything goes well for them that literally put everything they had into embarrassing this team that clearly is talented but does not have the talent to run with the big dogs yet. Um I still think Shadir Sanders is a is a good quarterback. I think he might benefit from another year in this level of college football. Um, but if he chooses to go to the NFL after this year, I think he's definitely a developmental guy. He's super smart. I think he could be successful at the next level. But at the end of the day, like this was just kind of this was just kind of who had the more talented team. And unfortunately, Oregon just has the more more talented, more deep team and that's just kind of what it came down to and it was a spanking and it'll be we'll kind of talk about it a little bit later but you know I think they're going to have their hands full against USC as well too and I don't know if we're going to see any different of a result but hopefully maybe we do but I don't think so um let's go ahead and move on to our next blowout (laughs) if you guys did not see uh Miami (laughs) dropped 70 points on Denver uh, they ended up winning 70 to 20. They, I think with like a minute or or it was eight minutes left, they had 70 points. They obviously put their foot on the brake after that. They were actually in field goal range to kick a field goal to have the ultimate record for the most points scored in an NFL game. But they decided to just kneel the ball and end the game. So, you know, guys, lay into Denver, Dom, 70 to 20. What's your thoughts on this game, man? I mean, one, I, I'm I'm kind of 
disappointed in Denver's effort. It, it looked like they just didn't care, especially after the first quarter. They were already getting blown out. Either they weren't prepared. It just looked like they just laid down and died. Um, Russ, it, I saw a comparison of Tua's and Russ's numbers. Tua only had like 80 yards more passing than Russ did. Similar completion percentage, but like five touch, five touchdowns compared to Russ's like one or something like that. So I wouldn't really put this on on Russ. I don't think he had a bad game. I mean, anytime you give up 70 points, you clearly look at the defense. Um, and I don't know what happened to this defense because a couple years ago, even last year, they had one of the best defenses in the league. Um, so I don't really know what happened to them. Um, I don't know. It, it, if I'm ownership, um, head's got a role, man. I mean, you gave up all that you did for Russell Wilson, and that's clearly looking like a disaster. Um, you gave up whatever you gave up to bring in Sean Payton because you traded for him. Um, I don't know. I cl- clearly, you don't give up. You're not going to be able to trade Russell Wilson. You're not going to trade your coach again. So I think the next logical move is look at the defensive coordinator because anytime your defense gives up 70 points, you need to really look at who's calling the shots on that defense. And I, I think they just need a complete refresh. Unfortunately, you're stuck with two of the biggest pieces that you would typically factor into a rebuild. Um, so I, I think they'll they'll look to move on from other talent on their roster. Um, I already heard that Jerry Judy's on the trade block again because um, they're trying to recoup some of the draft capital that they gave up to bring in Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. So it looks like it's going to be another long, expensive year in Denver. All right. Uh, David, what's your thoughts? I think that, well, I completely agree, one, with uh, Dom's assessment of the defense and is completely fair and valid, even though, yes. So that that's that. Second thing, I clearly Seattle has won the trade for Russell Wilson um, because they're still having some pretty good success, even with Geno Smith as their quarterback. Um, So that could be a different topic for a different day. And um, but yeah, we're talking about how negative Denver was, but let's talk about how amazing Miami was just across the board. You had Raheem Mostert, who did incredible. You had Tua, who put up also really good numbers. And I was also looking at, um, uh, what's his name? Um, oh, uh, H- HN, the rookie running yeah. back. Devon yeah. H. Yeah, because he, he had 203 yards for four touchdowns. You know what sucks? In my other league, my other fantasy league, I had him but I cut him after week one because I was like, oh, he got no carries. <laughs> I I agree a lot with David. Um, I And with you, Dom. Russell Wilson, first of all, I don't think he's had a bad season. I think he's been a little bit like it, it kind of seems like he's worried about playing too loose. Um, So he does seem to be a little bit like check down Charlie sometimes. He has a lot of completions, a lot of yards, but not a lot of touchdowns. They're not scoring a lot of points. But I don't think he's had a bad season. I don't think that you could, you know, say that this this loss was his fault. I think that 
clearly that defense needs to look at some things schematically wise. But to be completely honest, I just think that this Miami's offense is that good. I think that Tua is healthy. I think that he is one of the more accurate quarterbacks in the league. I think that they have the best weapons and totality in the league. I think that their head coach is one of the best play callers in the league. And I think he's showing it week in and week out. And I think they're having fun. And I think when you're having fun, unfortunately, like look at the Kansas City Chiefs. When you're having fun, you have fun and you roll over people. And I don't know if there's a there's probably only three or four defenses in the league that the Dolphins can't score on like this. Like we talked about it after week one, how they just the Chargers lost because they just couldn't score enough points to keep up with them. Like the Dolphins were just throwing all over them. Now I do I think the Dolphins defense is maybe a little suspect because obviously the Chargers were able to throw on them. So maybe if they get they have to get into a shootout battle. But at the end of the day, I think there's probably only three defenses that could stop them from doing this. And the Steelers won for me, that's one of them, but that's suspect because if they have to get in a situation where the defense is on the field a lot because Kenny Pickett can't move the ball, that would be a defense that maybe gets a little bit scored on. I think the Browns defense is a defense that they couldn't drop 70 on, and I think the 49ers defense is a defense they couldn't drop 40 on, and I think the Eagles defense is a defense they couldn't drop 40 on. I think that's probably what about your, the Cowboys. It's probably your four. I would say yes if Trevon if Trevon yeah, if Trevon Diggs was healthy, but I don't know. Again, if if Dak can move the ball and that offense can stay on the field, then maybe. But that's one with the Steelers where I look at, like, if the offense is stagnant and the defense has to be on the field a lot, then I don't think they'll get 70 hung on them. But I think that they'll get a lot. They'll get a, more points than what they would if the offense could stay on the field and keep get the defense some rest. You know what I mean? But outside of that, I don't think there's a defense in the league that could stop them maybe not scoring 70, but stop them from scoring a ton of freaking points. And as long as they stay healthy, as long as Tua stays healthy, this is going to be a dangerous team. And I don't I don't know what people are really going to be able to do with this offense. Like, I know the Chiefs wanted to save money and spread it around the rest of the, the way, but Tyreek Hill is a freak, man. And I don't know... If I feel good, if I'm sitting in the Kansas City front office being like, we let that guy go. Like, I don't think you can feel good about that. And I don't know if they thought maybe he would fall off, but he has not. He hasn't fallen off at all. Like, he's still like he might be the best wide receiver in the league right now. Um, And I don't know if it's schematically that he's just you can because he's scoring so many points and has so many yards. But like. I think you could I think there's an argument that as of right now in the league you could look at him and like Justin Jefferson and be like those guys are 1A and 1B right now and whether or not you 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 could go either way and I don't think you could go wrong. That's all I'm saying. So any more thoughts on this? It no? looked like Dom had some issues with your Tyree Kill comments, so I'd like to Hear well, what he when, when he first said Tyreek Hill is the best receiver in football, I was going to say I think Justin Jefferson has something to say about that. But then he brought up Justin Jefferson, and I I, 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 said, I think these are 
I think that I think they're the two best wide receivers in football right now. Yeah, I don't. Course. Yeah, I mean, if I was going to rank them, if I had to rank them, I would still put Jefferson over Tyreek Hill. But I, I think be, at that point, it's just like yeah. you're really splitting hairs on who's better. Yeah. Well, and honestly, like they're so different schematically. Like Justin Jefferson's yeah. a guy who's going to go and really go up and get any ball. Like he could pretty much run almost any route. You know what I mean? Tyreek Hill is just probably one of the most athletic guys within the league right now, whether or not they're at the running back or any skill position that you have. Um, So I just think that that speed that he has, the athleticism that he has, the knowledge that he has of the game, like it's super invaluable. So I think that's what really kind of puts him up there. But And on top of that, I think that I I don't know if Kansas City – misses Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I'm sure that they miss his production, but it's like you said, I d- we don't know what schematics, how they were going to run that offense and how he was going to fit into that offense. He would he was the same thing that they were running. Yeah. I, I think they they looked at their financial situation and how much money they were going to be paying Patrick Mahomes. So it was like, okay, we can't afford to keep Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey um, the defensive end that they just paid. Um, unfortunately, as, as great as Kelsey is as a tight end, I think he's probably one of the best of all time, if not the best of all time. I, I you, you can't. Hey, he's getting up there. If he keeps these numbers up, he's gonna, he's gonna be up there in the conversation of one of the greatest tight ends of all time. Yeah. Anyways, I don't know. I think yes, I agree. Conversation, but I just still, I still think it. That's you can't. I don't know if he can um, surpass Gronk or I was gonna say or it's Gates. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. Well, anyways, that's a conversation for a different. Let me finish. I was gonna say I think they chose wrong of choosing between Kelsey and Hill. I think if Tyreek Hill was still on this Kansas City offense, they would they would be unstoppable. I, I think you you won't be able to replace the production you get from Travis Kelsey with one tight end, but if you can get two or three tight ends and just dump the ball off to them every now and then, you can replace that production that you get from Kelsey. You look at the Chiefs wide receiving room, Who who's really in that wide receiving room that you can say is their definitive number one receiver? They don't have one. Um, so I, I think there there's a void in that offense that's left behind by Tyreek Hill, and no one's really been able to, to step in and fill it. The only thing I'll say is I I don't think the move on from Tyreek Hill was to save money for Travis Kelsey because Travis Kelsey is one of the lowest paid tight ends in the league at this point. Like he's very he's very mid tier paid tight end. I think I think he's only making like like ten million a year, maybe nine or ten million a year. So like in the scheme of tight end, like top tight ends in the league, he's I don't think he's he might be like number ten or something like that. So like I honestly think when they got when Patrick Mahomes got destroyed by the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl, their front seven, and that offensive line was just god awful. I think they looked at their finances and they said, Hey, we think Patrick Mahomes is Tom Brady good and that we could give him any wide receiver and he'll still win games. But if he doesn't have anybody blocking for him, then it doesn't matter who's catching balls for him. He's not going to be able to get them to him. So I think that that's, that's where they made that decision to move on from Tyreek Hill, put put the Buffet boys in front of Patrick Mahomes, and they said, if you're that good, you're worth that much money, 
go out there and make these guys look good. I mean, look at Juju. Juju got a contract that he probably shouldn't have got with New England, and he's over there sucking. You know what I'm saying? So, like, he made Juju look better than really what Juju was, and I think he's going to do that for guys, just like Tom Brady was able to do that for guys in New England. And yes, of course, 100%. I still think they should feel a little icky about not having Tyreek Hill just because can you imagine how good this team's still good. I think they're still going to compete for a Super Bowl, but having Tyreek Hill on that roster, it would be, I I don't know. So I, I do think in the draft, they need to address that. Maybe a first round pick on a wide receiver this year, maybe a big move up. Um, to get a guy, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I don't think they're going to be able to move up as far as they want to get Marvin Harrison, but there's probably a couple other guys that they could get. Um, but Marvin Harrison with Patrick Mahomes would be that would be fun. I would I would sell my left leg <laughs> to get Marvin Harrison Jr. on the Browns. <laughs> no, you got to sell your dominant leg. You can't sell your non-dominant leg. <laughs> You got to at least go through. I was going to say something else, but I reverted to leg. (laughs) Oh, he's going (laughs) to. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Fun topic for our recap section before we move into quarter two. Uh, Just real quick, guys. How is your football fantasy teams going this year? Obviously, we're in our dynasty league together. Um, And then I don't know if you guys are in the other leagues, but Dom, how's a fantasy football going for you? Um, Lost a little bit of a heartbreaker this last week. If, if I would have started, um, the tight end from Detroit, uh, the rookie Laporta, he got 30 points on my bench, and I lost by like five points. So if uh, if I would have made that small adjustment pregame, I started David Njoku over him. Um, I'd be sitting in a nice two and one right now, but as it sits, I'm one and two. Um, one and two in my other league, but just got my first win of the season. Uh, looking pretty good there. I made some free agent acquisitions that are really helping my team right now. Overall, it's still early, so I'm not super worried. But I don't know. I I I, I like my team. It just I wish I was able to get more consistent performances out of my running backs. Yeah, David, how about you? I'm disappointed in my team, to say the least. Because look, I'm 0-3, like for starters, that's one. Two, a lot of the scores that I've lost is because one or two of my major one or two of my major offensive players did not perform the way that I needed them to. For the last two weeks, I've had Brees Hall in my starting lineup and he's done jack he's done jack shit nothing. Um, and then this week it sucks I, when your quarterback can't throw the ball. <laughs> true, so Ryan, true, which makes Garrett Wilson, who I see on your team, mm-hmm. um, kind of makes him not productive. He's actually found yeah. like some some decent like fantasy well, points though. Like that, that's that's the point that I was saying. That's right. It's like my wide receivers overall, outside of Drake London this past week, have done generally speaking fine. For the most part, I've averaged about 15-plus points from them every single week, which is what I think everyone least, at the very least expects from their wide receivers is 15 to 20 points. And so I think the biggest letdown is that I didn't play 
Tyler Bass this past week. Uh, he scored 14 points as a kicker. Um, and uh, Tony Jones Jr., he got 12.4 points. I know that probably wouldn't have made much of a difference, but over those that I did play, but who knows? Yeah. I, I have some ideas for your team that we could talk about off air. No. Or do you want to hear them now? No, no. Let, let's hear them. Screw oh, okay. it. I'm... Okay. All right. So it may, may sound a little crazy. I would I would trade two. I would what? I would sell high on Tua. And you can get I mean you got Joe Burrow on your bench. You can get by with Joe Burrow and you can get another quarterback, but I would I would sell high on Tua and try to get another running back or another tight end or wide receiver. You could probably get a couple running backs or wide receivers for him. Mm-hmm. Just an idea. Yeah, that probably could happen. So, anyways, that's where I'm at right now. Okay, all right. Um, I'll talk about the league that's not our Dynasty League first. I'm like Dom in that one. Just got my first win this week. Um, big acquisition in free agency. I picked up Jerome Ford, so that helped out a lot. Um, running back room in our Dynasty League for me is I'm a little worried. Um, I was kind of banking on the fact that J.K. would be uh, healthy this year and have a big year, and he blew his Achilles. So uh, that's a tough blow for me. So I'm really kind of rocking a little light there. Um, quarterback room for me, I don't know. It's looking rough. I don't know. Yeah, I got Justin, Kenny, and Desmond Ritter, so I don't really know what I'm going to do with that. Um, we can play make a deal later. <laughs> uh, but I got four quarter. I got four quarterbacks on my bench for you. But what's uh carrying me? is my wide receiving room, which I think probably in our Dynasty League, I would argue that I have the best wide receiving room in the league. Tyreek Hill is pretty much carrying my team at this point. Um, but I am 3-0, so there you go. A little bit more surprised than what I thought. I thought I would probably finish the season a little bit above 500. Um, but Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs, they're digging in, doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, Justin Fields hasn't been awful. Like This past week was his lowest now, fantasy-wise, I'm not talking about real life-wise, but fantasy-wise, he usually puts up like 30-some points, so that's good enough to help keep me afloat. So, um, But I won a nail-biter this past week, so that's that's a fun time. But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm in the same boat with David. I'm a little worried about my roster. I just am in a different place than him. He's lost looks. He seems like he's kind of lost those close games. I've won those close games. So... You know, he's this year's Vikings. I'm last year's Vikings. But we'll talk about the Vikings a little bit later. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at right now with it. I think I'm going to try to make some deals going forward, maybe get some running back depth, running back help. I think that'll be super helpful going forward. And then I might just uh, rock with the quarterbacks. I got a lot of young quarterbacks, so I'd like to see if they develop or turn into something. And um, I'm hoping Deuce Vaughn gets some more carries. I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> All right. It's quarter two time. It was a long quarter one. Uh, lots of delays, lots of uh, penalties, and lots of reviews. So college football time. First, guys, 
it's Ohio. You know, we got to talk about Ohio State after a game like that on uh, Saturday. First, your guys' thoughts on Notre Dame. And within that, um, talk about how you feel about Kyle McCord after that. Uh, we'll start with Dom. I thought it was a good game. I think Ohio State got lucky that Notre Dame forgot that you're supposed to play defense with 11 players instead of 10. Two uh, plays in a row. Two plays in a row. Um, so I think Ohio State got lucky. Glad that they did because I can't stand Notre Dame. Um, overall, I do think the better team won. Um, I mean, really, no team played great. But I don't know. McCord, I don't know. I don't know, man. I I don't think you can really win uh win a playoff game with him. Now c- compete for I think that the team around him is good enough to kind of carry the team. I just I don't know. I, I really am scared that they're gonna lose to Michigan again. Because that, that team unfortunately is looking pretty good. I just I, I don't know. He he's he's been well. he's what? I'll go on a limb and say that they'll lose to Michigan again. Yeah. I mean, what what I don't understand is McCord's been with the program. This is what his third year or fourth year. I, I don't know if he was a redshirt or not, but he's been with the program for a while. It, it just seems like, I don't know, maybe the talent's not there or I don't know, but but he's, he's not playing at the level that I think Ohio State needs to really compete for a championship. All right, David, what are your thoughts? There should not have been in any way, shape, or form a game where Ohio State was just beating Notre Dame this year. Because it's like I said last time, Notre Dame was, what, had beaten a bunch of no-names plus Navy? Who Don't get me wrong. Like I said before, for those who served in Navy, and the services, thank you for your service. But let's be honest here. Navy's not known for playing football. They just aren't. The only game that everyone's heard of the Navy football team is when they play the Army in the Army-Navy game. And that's really it. And so I think that's a big disappointment. Yeah, I'm glad that they won. But it's a big disappointment and letdown that they just beat Notre Dame. I I think you guys are like missing a like a lot on this. Like I'll start with David. Like Notre Dame's not a bad team. Like and everybody has played nobodies to start the season. Like that's not that's everybody does that. Their first three games are are against nobodies. Like so that's not even a good point or a good reference on on how they're a good or bad team. Like I now is Notre Dame also Notre Dame hasn't been relevant for years. What are you talking about? They've been they've been at the top of college football like for like a, Dom said they're a bunch of oh, they're overrated. I mean, yes, have they are they are they a little I mean, overrated? yeah, they're overrated, but I wouldn't say that they're a shit program. No, I like even they, though I don't like them. They they have I a lot they of they have a lot relevant. of good players. Marcus Freeman that- Marcus Freeman is is a hell of a football coach and as much as we feel about Notre Dame Marcus Freeman is a good football coach. He understands fundamentals of football and he understands defensive football. And what this game was, was a defensive game. And like, 
I understand that Ohio State, that the way we view Ohio State, that we should blow everybody out. I understand that. But that's not the reality of college football anymore. Nobody, nobody, if if you if you look at all the top programs, if you look at the top 15, you know, ranking right now, we'll look at it a little bit later. But if you look at the top 15 schools in America, I think any of those teams could beat any of those teams because the talent is so spread out now. It's not all centered around four teams anymore because of NIL. And Notre Dame is ha, has a good program. They have good players. Like this loss to Ohio State, I think if if they were actually in a conference like the ACC or even the Big Ten and they were to win out the rest of their games, I think that they could have a good chance of going to the college football playoffs. You know what I mean? I do... I do think that's where they're at. Now, on the Ohio State side with Dom, I disagree about Kyle McCord. I think he can win a playoff game. Is he C.J. Stroud? I don't know yet. But but he led them down the field on that last drive, and they scored a touchdown and they won the game. Like he, Do you think that they would have scored that touchdown if Notre Dame had 11 players on the field? I don't think they would have ran the ball because this, this is what I think happened is I think up in the booth – um, their de- their defensive coordinator said one two three four five six seven eight, nine, ten, and went uh run the ball, <laughs> run the ball to the right, run the ball to the right. You know what I'm saying? Because they see that shit and they're talking to the quarterback in their helmet. And in that moment, they're waiting into the last possible second to snap that ball. And I don't think they would have ran the ball. I think they very much would have tried to do what they did the last play, where they rolled Kyle McCord out to the right and gave him an opportunity to throw the ball into the end zone. It just worked out that there was nobody sitting in that spot that Trainum ran into. But, I mean, Kyle McCord led them down the field, down the field. and got them, you know, he didn't get them in the end zone, but he led them down the field to put them in the position, you know, to do that. He was very, I think he was very much accurate. He was very much decisive. I think their game plan was double Marvin Harrison, and shut the run down. And they did that for the most part throughout the game. Notre Dame did. Um, I think that Ohio State defense is probably the best defense we've seen in the past four years. Um, I think that they could probably compete with almost any offense in the league. So I, I don't know. I mean, I I agree that there's still a lot of questions about Kyle McCord. I don't think that we can sit here and say, hey, this dude is a first-round talent quarterback right now. But I think he did a lot of growing up in that game, and I'd be very interested to see what he does the rest of the season. This is what I'll say about the Michigan game, and this is a reason why I'm a little worried about Ohio State in general going forward with Ryan Day as their play caller and their head coach. In big games, Ryan Day calls a very passive game, and he does not let it fly. When he does let it fly and he does let their players go out there and play, they blow people out and they score a lot of points. Look at the Georgia game when he said, hey, there's nothing else I can do. CJ, go win us this freaking game. And if it weren't for two things that were bad juju, that first of all, it's Ohio and nothing good really ever happens to us in awesome moments. And that CJ Stroud picked heads instead of tails on the coin toss. I think we would have won that game um, because who picks fucking heads? It's tails never fails. And that'll always haunt me to this day <laughs> that I stayed up and watched the kicker shake a kick to the left 
Like he got iced in Madden and we lost at midnight the new year. That was but probably one of the worst kicks I've ever seen. I th- I am still upset about it to this day. You could ask you could ask Ashley, she'll just be like, Hey, heads or tails. And I'd be like, Why do you put me through this this torment of having because I was yelling at the I was yelling at the TV like a friggin' boomer when he said head when he said heads. I was like, What the fuck? Oh, anyway. So no, I, I do I just disagree with you guys wholeheartedly on on pretty much your whole take. I that's you just where just I'm at right you now. You agree for the most, like uh, I, don't, I don't think you disagreed completely with my entire take. No, I, I said for the most part. I, I I just I don't I don't agree with the Colin McCord take, and I don't agree that Notre Dame is a bad program that Ohio State should have blown them out. I I don't I I never thought Ohio State was going to blow out Notre Dame. I no I I, I always thought it was going to be a close game. I just thought it. I I thought there would have been a little bit more offense too, and I I feel like both offenses, and maybe that's a credit to both defenses. I I um, think I think they both have really good defenses. I mean, Marcus Freeman is a very defensive minded coach, um, and like I said, they they were successful for the most part, other than Travion Henderson getting loose that one time, and they Marvin Harrison Jr. was pretty much a non factor in that game because they just they just locked him down. They doubled him all game. They said make the other wide receivers beat us, and Abuka beat them. Um, on that last drive specifically. So I, I don't know. I mean, we'll have to see. Obviously, we're going to get some normal Big Ten play here, and then we'll get Penn State and uh, and Michigan later in the season. But I, I don't know, guys. We'll come back to it. I, mean, I hope you're right. I just need to see good performances more consistently out of him. He's, he, I, this, he this is has to This grow. is the first time... This is the first time that I think we even saw a remotely good performance out of him. As you look at how we played the first three weeks against lesser opponents, I think the the cause for concern was was justified. Also, David, to your point about Michigan, Michigan was only beating Bowling Green fourteen to seven at half this past week. I want that to sink in. Bowling Green. 14 to 7 at halftime. So is Michigan a good team? Of course. I think that they are a good team. I think they have a really decent quarterback. But I don't think they're unbeatable. And again, I think it's going to come down to they aren't I'm not saying they aren't unbeatable. I just said that I thought that Michigan would probably win this year again. I That's I, all I said. I think it very much comes down to like I said Ryan Day's play calling. And if he cannot if he cannot call the game the the way that it needs to be called and he's scared about losing and he's scared about getting beat bad for whatever reason, then I think he needs to make that decision to either hand the play calling duties off to somebody else or I seriously think when the new AD hits the floor next summer that they look at whether or not he gets to stick around after next year. Um, because I don't think as the Ohio State football coach, as much as we want to win championships, you cannot lose to Michigan that way three years in a row without repercussions. Like there's no, I don't, I don't think he's going to be fired, but I don't think that you could do that without repercussions. Like that's just not. No, I think, I think if you lose to Michigan three years in a row, you're done. It's like three strikes and you're out. You, you can't lose to that team three years in a row. The only the only good thing is they have a dude in Brian Hartline that's sitting there that can recruit the shit out of people. I don't know how good of a head coach he could be, but 
He's super good at recruiting, and he seems to have the love of the guys in the locker room. So if I like that to see was, him as offensive coordinator. I I do I I think that he is like co-offensive coordinator. So I would like to see him get more opportunities calling plays, but I don't know. We'll move on. Um, next topic here in college football. Oh well, here Good we go. Question. Oh, okay. Heads yes. Answer. Heads or tails. David, I don't you knew he was going to do that. I don't want. You knew, I knew he was going to do that. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm ups, I'm upset, David. Right, well, Nick's just dying over here now. I'm, um, you want to look at the top twenty-five standings? Yes, we're gonna go higher. We're gonna play a fun game <laughs> called higher or lower on top twenty-five rankings here. So, um, I don't know. Let's see here. I mean, they got Fresno State, Kansas, Kansas. and Missouri, twenty-five through twenty-three. They're four and zero. Oh, all three of them. Yeah. You guys think that's a good spot for them? Good spot because it's like I don't know too much about the the team, so I can't really. Well, that Fresno much. State just embarrassed Kent State, so. Ooh. I mean, it's not not really Kent State. Ooh. Yeah, Ooh, no. I mean, it's not really much. Yeah, I mean they they won fifty three to ten. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean Kansas they beat BYU. That's a decent opponent. Uh, BYU is a respectable program. Um. Yeah, I, I'd say they're fine where they're at. Next up, I'll uh, I'll just do the next two. And tw- at twenty two, we have Florida, and at twenty one, we have Tennessee. Higher or lower for those guys? I would say higher. I do. I do feel like they should be a little higher. I don't because Mississippi and Oregon State are at twenty and nineteen. All four of those teams are have a three and one record. I I think what Mississippi's only loss was to Alabama this past weekend. So yeah. maybe they should be a little bit higher too, but I mean, I get it. But at the same time, I just, I think Florida and Tennessee are definitely maybe better programs than those. I think they could beat them. Um, yeah, I feel like Tennessee at least would be a little bit higher. Yeah. I get that they lost, but not. Well, they lost to Florida. Yeah. Still, which is, which is kind of crazy. Cause what? Tennessee lost to Florida and they're above them in the rankings. So anyway. Um next we have uh Miami at 19 at 18, sorry, Duke at 17, Washington State at 16, UNC at 15, and Oklahoma at 14. All of them are four and zero. How do you Washington. feel about is this Miami of Florida or is this Miami of Ohio? David, Miami of Ohio will never be in the top 25 in our lifetime. Okay, so I don't even know. Very rarely does a Mac school get ranked in the top 20. You know what, David? That was like when a teacher goes, guys, I want you to ask me (laughs) questions because there's never a stupid question. And then you get a question like that and you just go, I wish I never said that statement because. ah." (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) I feel like sometimes he just trolls you just to get a reaction. (laughs) He knows damn well it's not Miami of Ohio. (laughs) <laughs> oh man and you just fall for it every time <laughs> okay we're moving on LSU is at 13 look at him dying over there his <laughs> face is red as his shirt 
Oh, man. LSU is at 13, and Alabama is at 12, both of the three and one record. How do you guys feel about Alabama and LSU sitting there at 12 and 13 when you have, you know, a team like Miami that's 4 and 0, a team that Washington State that looks really good that's 4 and 0, um, and a team in Oklahoma that looks pretty decent at 4 and 0. Like do you think that those teams should jump over Alabama and LSU or do you think that's a good spot for Alabama and LSU above those guys? No, I would probably flip Miami and um now probably Oklahoma. I would I with would say, um, Alabama and LSU. I think there there's just a lot of bias towards Alabama and LSU because of recent history. Yeah. But looking at the teams now that how they are, I mean Alabama has not played well. They they've really benefited. I know they have a loss, but they've benefited from a relatively easy schedule. Mm-hmm. Um I think they were pretty lucky to now be a big program that, that plays cupcake teams for the first couple of weeks of the season. Um, I don't like their quarterback situation at all. Yeah. I would I would take Miami and I would slide them up to – I would probably put them at 13 with Washington at 12, and then Alabama and LSU would take up 14 and 15, and I would just slide the other guys down a little bit. You know what I mean? Like I think – I think that's totally reasonable. I like Miami as a football team, but like I said, I think Washington State right now, they've just kind of been impressive. Um, so uh, let's go to Notre Dame is sitting at number 11 after the Ohio State loss. I personally don't hate that for them. What do you guys feel about that? I think it's justified. Yeah. Definitely. And if you're going to lose, it might as well be to a top 10 team. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we are in the top 10 now. Utah is at 10. Oregon is at 9. Those two programs, Oregon Boat Race Prime, um, and Utah has, I feel like, kind of quietly been good and kind of beating teams. And so do you guys think that that's a good spot for them? Do you think those are two top 10 programs in the country right now? Yeah. I'd say so. Oregon? Yeah. I- I can't really speak for Utah, but at least Oregon, I can say, yeah. Yeah. The the three teams in front of them at eight is USC, at seven is Washington, and at six is Penn State. How do you feel about those guys being in front of Oregon and Utah? Um, do you think those guys should be higher or a little bit lower? I'm a little bit surprised about Penn State. I know that they have a good like football history and all that. Um, but good for them is to where they are. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I mean, all of these teams are are four now, so you're really just splitting hairs on how they look in their games. Um, I don't know. I'm surprised USC is all the way down at eight, considering um Caleb Williams is on the team. But I, I understand there's there's questions with that defense. Um, Penn State. I mean, you beat Iowa 31 nothing. Um, I, th- I think they definitely deserve to be up there. Yeah, I mean, I, I really have no real complaints. It, I, I, I agree. It's pretty much splitting yeah. hairs. The only thing I would say is I would probably flip – I would flip Washington and Penn State, and then I would put USC at 7 and Penn State at 8. I think that's probably where I'm at with that right now. 
I like Penn State as a program. I think they're pretty decent. It's going to be a good game between Ohio State and Penn State in a couple weeks. But I just think that Washington is a better team from what I've seen. And I think USC has to I think USC has to play somebody of consequence, I think, a little bit more. But I think USC should probably be in the top should be closer to six than than they are. You know what I mean? They're seven or six. So uh, top five, Florida State is at five. Ohio State is at four. Texas is at three. Michigan is at two. And Georgia is sitting at number one still. What do you guys think about this top five? Firstly, I like it. Yeah, that's fine with me. Actually, I don't. I think Texas should be number two. I think Ohio State should be three. And I think Michigan should be number four. I think Ohio State's win over Notre well, Dame. When I say that that the top five is fine with me, it doesn't mean that I like the organization of it, like where they're placed. It. What I mean by I'm fine with it is the top five teams that I think should be there are in the top five. Well, I think that they end up in the order that they're in right now. No. Yeah. I mean, I even arguably think that, like, I don't know. I think Ohio State beating Notre Dame should at least warrant them being above Michigan, who was only up 14-7 to against Bowling Green. I think that should, like if that was Ohio State, if Ohio State went to halftime up 14-7 to against Bowling Green, Ohio State would be number 10 right now. You yeah, know but look at the final score of the game. I, I get that. I 100% get that. That's fine. But I mean, the, 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 the final score of the game is what matters, not what the score was at halftime. And they they still won 30, 31 to six. I'm looking at the score now. So it to me it doesn't matter that they were up by six points at halftime. It's it's how the game ended is is what really matters. I um, I, I agree. Ohio State's win over Notre Dame is better than Michigan's win. So I, I think there there's a good argument for maybe flipping them, or at least have. I don't know. I, I feel like. Ohio State would only be number two because they beat Notre Dame. I don't. I don't think they should be number two. I think they should be number three. I think Michigan should slide down to yeah. four, and I think Texas should be number two. I think there's an argument for Texas to be number one, but I just think that because Georgia won the last two national championships, you can't unthrone them until they either lose or somebody just outright has an amazing win on the season. You know what I mean? Like I just think they have to sit there, unfortunately, but. I don't know. Like you said, it's splitting hairs once you get to the top 10. Honestly, probably the, I don't know, probably the top 18 you kind of look at and you're like, there's a few teams within that where you're like, okay, you could probably move them around to wherever you want, depending on what you see. So, all right, we're done with college football. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I almost forgot about a topic. What's your guys' top three Heisman hopefuls this year? David? Honestly, I I pay attention enough to college football to at least voice my opinion on the top 25, but not enough to give a top three for the Heisman. So I'm going to step out of this discussion for right now. All right, Tom. Um, I mean, Caleb Williams has to be in the, in the conversation. He won it last year. I think he's the betting favorite right now to win it again. Um, if he's able to put up similar numbers to what he did last year, and USC is able to be in the playoffs or close to a playoff spot, it's really hard to not give him the award again. 
number two, I, th- I think it's going to be between Quinn Ewers or Michael Penix. Uh, both have been pretty impressive. I think Bo Nix really put himself in the conversation with how he played against um, Colorado. I know Colorado doesn't have that great of a defense, but still he had a very impressive week. Um, other than that, I mean, I'm looking at the, I mean, it's really all quarterbacks. Um, Travis Hunter, if he didn't get hurt, I would have him up there uh, just because of, of how elite he is on both sides of the ball. Unfortunately, with his injury, I think he's out of the conversation. Um, other than that, I really don't see anyone else. I, I think Sam Hartman's out of the conversation now. I really don't think Kyle McCord was ever in the Heisman conversation. J.J. McCarthy, definitely not. So I, th- I think it's really between Bo Nix, Quinn Ewers, Michael Penix, and Caleb Williams. I agree, though. I think it's probably those four quarterbacks. I I think the unfortunate wait, wait, thing hold is... On. This is a monumental moment in deep dive sports history. <laughs> we we agree on something. We agree on a lot of I things. I know. Right? You guys aren't going in a uh, so circle. David, you don't have an opinion on this topic. Jeez. <laughs> True, but I can still state the fact that you guys aren't going in circles. Is, the, is this Miami of Ohio or Miami of Florida? Hey, circles are fun, David. Circles are fun. <laughs> All right. Let's know at home, guys, who you think your uh, top three or four Heisman hopefuls are this year. Um, if you have a different opinion than us, just let us know. But I, I do agree with Dom. I think those are probably the top four right now. I think the injury to Travis Hunter sucks because I think if he were able to continue the production that he had, I think there would have been a good argument for him to win the Heisman this year. So we might just have to wait till next year. Quarter three here. Current topics from the NFL. First topic up, Dom, Derek Carr, sustained an injury. Not quite sure on the timetable in which he might be able to come back. The Saints were looking pretty decent with him. Obviously, I think they had a few kinks to work out on both sides of the ball, but they looked like a team that could potentially compete for a playoff spot in the NFC, which is looking a little weak on teams. What can the Saints do without Derek Carr? Obviously, they're going to go back to Jameis Winston. Is this a team that could still compete for the playoffs or... Are we kind of back to the same old, same old with them until Derek Carr comes back? Um, well, I think luckily for them, he's not going to be out that long if he misses any games at all. Um, I think they said he's going to be week to week. Um, so if he does have to miss some time, I think Jameis is good enough to get them through a week or two. Uh, let me look up their upcoming schedule. Because, I mean, <laughs> you don't really want to have Jameis as your quarterback for a whole season. Um, I think his time as a full-time starter is kind of done, but I, I feel like he can, he can fill in for you every now and then. Um, luckily they, I mean, they got the bucks who's pretty good. They got the Patriots coming up who, I mean, I feel like James can have a decent game there. Um, then they got Houston. So the next three games, if you have to start James for all three, I think you can make the argument that he can go two and one in those three games at worst one and two. So I, I think that's still good enough, especially in the NFC South where really any team is in it, except for the, except for the Panthers. Um, I, I think if Derek Carr has to miss a couple weeks, James will be able to play well enough where the Saints will still be in it. All right, David, what what's your uh, viewpoint on this? I think that James 
will be fine for a couple of weeks. I agree that he's he shouldn't be a full time like starter for the year, um, because he had while before his injury, his latest injury that he had what two three years ago now. Um, he was doing fine, and I don't, from my understanding, not too much has changed in terms of the schemes and the players and the coaching staff. Um, so he, he should be fine for a couple of weeks. So I'm not too worried. Okay. All right. I, I agree with a lot of things you guys said. I, I think if he's only out for a couple of weeks, Jameis should at least be able to win them one of those games. Um, so it shouldn't derail their playoff chances too much, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully he comes back soon. Cause I, I really liked watching that team with him at quarterback. I think like Michael Thomas looked rejuvenated. Like he's had a really good start to his season. Obviously Chris Olave has been pretty productive and, and that team has just felt fun to watch again. And I just haven't felt, um, like that since Drew Brees was their quarterback and, and definitely, uh, I don't know. So I'm I'm hoping that he, you know, can come back and be healthy. I think at the very worst, you know, let him actually fully heal. There's no reason in rushing him back. Like Dom said, the level of talent they're going to play over the next three weeks isn't crazy. Those are winnable games with Jameis at quarterback. So hopefully at the very worst, they can go, you know, one and two or, or two and three over that stretch. And then you bring him back for that final stretch of the season. So. Yeah, they're they're definitely going to be in a playoff push, and you want him healthy end of the season. Yeah, yeah, no reason to rush him back over the next couple games. Let him heal up. So, all right, next topic. Obviously, the first two weeks of the season, we saw the Steelers play arguably two of the top defenses in the league. There was a lot of question marks about Matt Canada. There was a lot of question marks about Kenny Pickett. There's a lot of question marks about that offense in totality. Obviously, the defense was not the issue but the offense definitely was struggling. So after week one and week two, did we overreact to the Steelers' offensive performance after kind of what we saw in week three? Dom, I'll start with you. Well, actually, I was just going to say, since I posed this question, I kind of wrote it wanting your opinion on it first. So if you would like to take the floor on this, yeah. so um, being, being our uh, token Steelers fan. I don't think we overreacted. I don't think that this offense will end up being that bad all season, but I I don't know. I mean, it's still, it didn't look so amazing against Vegas to where I was like, oh my God, we're fixed. You know what I mean? Like, I think that Vegas just doesn't have as good as a front seven as the Browns and the 49ers do. I think just Kenny Pickett had more time to throw the ball. You know what I mean? I, I think that Najee Harris looks uninspired. He looks, he doesn't look explosive as a runner anymore. They're not even using him in the past game like they did in the past. And I just, I don't know what this offensive identity is. It still seems very gadget oriented like the only player they seem to really be throwing the ball down the field to is Calvin Austin if he's open deep and uh George Pickens like everybody else is five six yards down the field 
or it's a screen or some little gadget play. Like it doesn't seem like this offense really progressed. It just seems like they played a defense that was severely not as good as the first two they played. Um, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know what to do to fix it. I don't think Kenny Pickett is an awful quarterback, but I just don't know if from what I've seen so far that I could feel comfortable being like, that's our guy. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's room for him to develop. Of course. I think, I think with any young quarterback, you need to at least give them three years. If that's a first round draft pick, you have to try to put the best weapons you can around them, put the best protection in front of them. I think you got to give them three years. You got to give them two years to really fully develop. And then in that third year, I think you let them rip it. And if they just don't have it, they don't have it. You move on. You know what I mean? I think that's where you're kind of at. Like, I think that's where a lot of people are at with Justin Fields right now. I don't think a lot of it's on Justin Fields, but I do think that's where people are at with him. And I think Kenny Pickett, you know, this is going to be another developmental year for him and I need to see growth, but it's kind of hard to grow when your offensive coordinator is not really calling plays that make sense like running the ball on third and eight I don't really understand that but I don't know that's where I'm at I don't think it was an overreaction I just think the Steelers offense played a defense that wasn't very good so they had a little bit of success I mean they still they were up like 23 to it was like 23 to six or something like that going into the fourth quarter I think and they ended up barely winning 23 to 18 so clearly the offense you know fizzled out um so yeah I don't know what do you guys think I'll uh, go David first and then Dom last since he proposed the question honestly I think you summed it up perfectly um because I don't know what else to add I think that they he had to deal with the top two off not top two offenses top two defenses so it it was kind of skewed in a sense the first two weeks because it's like everyone knew he was gonna get screwed no matter what like it like it would take a dream shot for him not to get messed with now I had something real quick yeah so If Kenny Pickett is the franchise quarterback the Steelers fans want, he's going to have to beat those defenses. So I I don't think saying, oh, he played the top two defenses, that's we should use as as an excuse to write off his play. Um, I I just don't agree with that That because he was their quarterback. That neither of us said that. No, I was I was I was speaking general. Like I I don't I don't think we should. I don't know, right off his plate because he played good defenses. Because if he's a franchise quarterback, he should be able to beat or at least look competent against those defenses. Agreed. Yeah. No, I I like I said, I, I don't I don't think it's an overreaction. I I think that any anybody's gonna have their worst game against, you know, the Cowboys, Steelers, Browns, and 49ers defenses. That's just that's just part of that's just on par for what it is. But I think that Dom is right in the sense that he still has to look 
all right. You know what I mean? He could he could have a, a semi bad game, but he still has to at least look competitive. Um, and again, I, I don't think I think, you know, so much with these young quarterbacks, we put a lot of it on them. I think a lot of it is, you know, organizationally as well, too, whether that's the organization they play for or the people that are calling their plays like I do think the Steelers as an organization have to look at Matt Canada and have to be honest about what he's doing with that offense and if it's being successful. And I think that the question needs to be posed on whether or not he's the one who needs to continue to call plays. And if he's the one that needs to continue being a part of that development of Kenny Pickett, because it's clearly not working. Um, And maybe he's not as bad as we think he is, but I think somebody else having the opportunity to be in Kenny Pickett's ear might be what they need, um, what he needs. So I don't know. That's where I'm at on the Steelers. Do you guys have anything more to add on to that before we move on? Next topic, just straight up. Obviously the Browns and Deshaun Watson had a first two weeks. Not great. Um, Week three against the Tennessee Titans, I think just kind of like how the Steelers ran into uh, Las Vegas, Tennessee Titans are kind of a get-right team. Hey, they're not great. They're not bad, but that's a team that you could go out there and have some some success against, get into a rhythm, and kind of get right as a team, as an offense. Um, I The question now is, are the Browns right and can they be contenders within the league this year? David? I think that they took the I think that they they wow. I think that they took the right step in they took the step in the right direction is what I'm trying to say. All right. Will they be contenders? It based off the first two weeks, it's still a little bit shaky. Hard to say a definitive yes or no, but Based off of this week, it was definitely a the step in the right direction. Okay. And that's uh, even with Nick Chubb being injured and adding Kareem Hunt back. Yeah, yeah. Jerome Ford had a phenomenal game. I think that he's definitely not going to be Nick Chubb, but I think he could step into that running back one role and uh and really help them win games. So uh Dom, what do you think? Um, I think they're absolutely contenders. I think we're looking at one of, if not the best defense in the NFL as as a whole unit. Um, I think the Browns, and they're playing right now like the best defense in football. Um, so that that's going to keep you competitive in any game that you play. Um, I saw a lot of encouraging signs from Deshaun Watson. I, his accuracy was back. Um, even against the Steelers, we were seeing a lot of good passes along the sidelines. He had, he had nice touch on some balls. We really saw that against the Titans. And what encouraged me the most, the Titans still have a good front seven. They have one of the best run defenses in the league. So he was still going to face a lot of pressure. But what we saw in the Steelers game is he was escaping the pocket almost immediately. And trying to trying to make some plays didn't make some plays. What we saw against the Titans, he was staying in the pocket until he was basically hit. But he was stepping up in the pocket. He was dropping back a little bit farther. He looked calmer and more confident in his play. And I think that showed in his throws and he's really developing a good connection with Amari Cooper. Um, I think Jerome Ford has looked nice. We don't need him to be Nick Chubb. You're never going to replace Nick Chubb. 
But if he can be league average, maybe a little bit better than league average, I think this team is good enough around him where everything that the Browns want to achieve this year is still achievable. I mean, I'm not saying that Deshaun Watson's, you know, a top three quarterback in the league right now, but there were definitely some encouraging signs. And this is the kind of game that Browns fans have been waiting for because it's, I mean, the first six weeks, that was him getting the rust off. You know, I I think up until this point, he was still trying to get the rust off of a 700-day layoff and then an 11-game suspension. So I don't think, you know, he was immediately going to be able to flip the switch this season and come off week one looking like an elite quarterback. I think it's still going to take some time. But from week two against the Steelers to this week, I think there was – they, I think they took a couple steps forward. I don't think it was one step forward. I think it was about two or three steps forward. Yeah, I, listen, I I so badly want them to be contenders for you guys. You know what I mean? I think that's, as football fans, I, I don't really know what it's like to sit there and, and live through a franchise that's just been so dysfunctional. Um, But at the end of the day, I I want to see more from them. I'm in David's camp on that. I think against a Tennessee team that's struggling offensively and that, yes, they may have a really good run defense, but I, like I said, I think that was kind of a get-right game. Hey, let's get into a rhythm. Let's see what we got. I don't think that they're a bad team, but I would love, you, you know, I would love to see Deshaun Watson do it a few more times and that team do it a few more times before I could sit there and be like, Boom, this is this is a team that is gonna contend. Because we did see the first two weeks with Deshaun Watson. And that's not gonna go away. That's not out of our minds. I need to see him do it again. You know, be productive, continue to, you know, get better week by week. And then maybe I could sit there and be like, this is definitely a team that could compete for a playoff spot, maybe even a Super Bowl. Obviously, that defense is ridiculous everybody is healthy at this point and you know miles garrett is one of the best pass rushers in the league so i I don't think that there's an argument there but i just i think we need to tamper just a little bit let's let's give them another couple games to really get into a rhythm see what they look like and then let's have this conversation again and if they win their next two games and deshaun watson continues to approve and starts to really look like his old self, then I have no problem being like this team is a contender, but I just don't know if I can give them that tag yet off of this one game against a team that's probably not going to even make the playoffs this year or even be above 500. So I just think we need to kind of chill out on that just a little bit for a couple more weeks and really kind of see what they look like. That's where I'm at with them. Um, well, luckily we got the Ravens coming up this week and then we have a bye week and then the 49ers. Yeah. So, So, I mean, listen, I think that's going to be a huge test, right? The Ravens are looking to be, you know, in control of that division right now. So if the Browns can beat the Ravens, boom, that's an awesome win. And if they can go and even if they lose to the 49ers, they could look like it could be a competitive game. I think that that's a conversation where you start looking at the Browns and be like, but yes, I think that they could definitely be contenders, but I need to see it first before I sit here and, and kind of overreact a little bit about them 
now being contenders after what we saw the first two weeks. So, um, all right. On from the Browns, who had a, a really good, you know, game against the Tennessee Titans, onto the Vikings, who last year they were 11 and 0 in one score games. And so far this year, they are 0 and 3. I don't think they're playing awful, but, you know, what, what is wrong with them, guys? What has changed from last season where they were able to win those close games to now they're not able to? Um, Dom, we'll start with you. Um, well, it's definitely not Kirk Cousins because Kirk Cousins is having I mean, at least the best three-game stretch of his whole career. Um, I think it's turnovers. You know, they, they're, they've had nine turnovers. They've only taken away two, so they're negative seven in the turnover uh, differential. Um, they've had some missed opportunities in the draft um, in this regime's first couple drafts. Now they've, they've got rid of some talent. This team's looking ripe for a rebuild. I don't know. I, I Alexander Madison has been average at best. He's been kind of disappointing. Um, I mean, Kirk's been good. Justin Jefferson's Justin Jefferson. I, I think it's really just that defense, and they can't just hold on to the ball. All right, all right. David, uh, what's your opinion on this? Yeah, I'd have to agree largely because it's like Kirk Cousins is going out there and doing the best he can. Justin Jefferson's going out there and doing the best he can. But there's only so much that those two guys can do at one point. At Like Dom said, the defense needs to be better. And it's like, really? It's like I feel bad yeah. for Cousins because he's over the last couple of years, yeah, he's been – he may not be the greatest in primetime football, but he's still been a very good quarterback comparatively speaking. It's like anyone else would want to have him on, his te- on their team. Like any up-and-coming team would want a quarterback like Kirk Cousins. Because he's been reliable. He's been he's putting he's he's been able to put them in good positions for quite a while. So Yeah, I and I I think coaching his and clock management has been an issue too. And I, I think that's really that definitely cost them the game against the Chargers, probably cost them the game against the Bucks as well. Um last year they 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 were winning all these one loss games. Or one one possession games, and now they're they're losing the ball. Um, so I, I some tweaks around the edges need to be changed, but I I really think you need to look towards defense and coaching. Yeah, I mean Dom, you mentioned the blowout. There's a lot of things that are being floated around now about, you know, a potential trade of Kirk Cousins while he's hot right now. Sell while you're high. Um, and a lot you of feel bad for Justin Jefferson's at that point. Yeah, yeah, it would really suck for Justin Jefferson. Obviously, that would be a, a question mark on, you know, what his season really looks like going forward. But a lot of people are floating now, you know, Kirk Cousins to the Jets. And we'll talk about the Jets and Zach Wilson in the next topic. But is that is that a thing that you would like to see? And if so, does that, you know take the Jets again in that conversation of playoff contenders, maybe even Super Bowl contender? Um, if I'm a Jets fan, yes, I would love to see that because I, I do think Kirk gets a bad rap as a quarterback. I think he's been a top 10 quarterback in the league the last couple of years. Um, he just 
for whatever reason, hasn't been able to play that great uh, when the lights are brightest. Um, yeah, if I'm a Jets fan, I would love it. As a Justin Jefferson fantasy owner, I would cry. <laughs> I, I would I would cry myself to sleep um, because I know that any trade like that probably means that they're going to be sending Kirk Cousins back to the Vikings. They're not Kirk Cousins, um, Zach Wilson. Um, which I I would cry. Yeah. It'd be tough. I don't know. I mean, it, it'd be interesting. I, I, I don't know. Let's talk about the Jets, though. Or, Don, or David, did you have an opinion on the Kirk Cousins potential trade that we were talking about with the Jets? I would say that they, if they can keep the same team, um, like same offense, same defense, then yeah, I think that they are Super Bowl contenders or playoff contenders at the very least. Um, but yeah, we can move on. All right. All right. The jets. Um, I don't know if you guys like, I, I like to watch a lot of Dan Orlovsky. I don't know. There's the way he kind of dissects the game and, uh, the way he really kind of talks about quarterbacks and, and what they're going through and what they're doing wrong. It just, it just feels different than a lot of other, you know, sports analysts and stuff like that. But the way he talked about Zach Wilson's, it, doesn't look he said it didn't look like the talent wasn't there for him to be successful it very much looked like the mental side of the game wasn't there like he was very timid um very afraid to make a mistake and that he almost kind of seems mentally broken at this point very similar to what we saw with like Sam Darnold when Sam Darnold was saying he was seeing ghosts you know like that New York market is so put so much pressure on guys to be successful I think that, you know, the media puts so much pressure on those guys to be successful. Obviously, he's coming in for Aaron Rodgers, and everybody thinks their season is over. So there's a lot of pressure to kind of prove people wrong. So my question for you guys is, with that take, you know, the take of him kind of mentally being broken at this point, do you think that Jets organization can fix that? Is that something that they can fix? And if they can't, how do you... How do you stop it from happening to the next young quarterback that you draft there in New York? David, I'll start with you. I If that is true, I don't think that they can because at the end of the day, it's New York being New York. You have If you're going to play in New York, you have to deal with basically the ugly side of it. People see, yeah, you get paid a lot of money. You get paid there's a lot of good things to it, but it comes with the fact that you have to have to deal with the expectations of a massive market, massive media. And simply put, there's just not that many people that deal with that can deal with it. All right. Uh, Dom, what do you think? Um, Honestly, no, I, I don't know if it's just them not being a good fit together. Um, I, I do think there there's clearly potential. He was taken number two overall for a reason. Um, so I think I, I agree with Orlovsky that it's mostly mental, and that really that that's a lot of what football is. Um, talent can only get you so far, but if if you're mentally not there, you're never going to succeed. So personally, I think it would be best Zach Wilson goes to a different organization, smaller market. I feel like that would be a better 
atmosphere for him to grow. And I I don't know if he's a starting quarterback, but you know, I feel like he can have a career as a serviceable back, serviceable backup. Um, I don't know. Like he, clearly, he's lost the locker room. He lost the locker room last year when Garrett Wilson and all the young guys were wearing uh like fucking white t-shirts and we're chanting his name in the locker room. And, you know, there's clear frustration every time that he's on the field with everybody else on that team. Um, and I, I feel bad for the rest of the team because this is not a good situation. Uh, I, I think if they continue on with Zach Wilson for the rest of the season, I think that locker room could explode. Honestly, I, I it's not good. Um, I think it would be best for everybody if they they just cut ties. Um, I don't know. You, you're not going to be able to trade them. You know, it's not worth trading a seventh round pick for Zach Wilson at this point. They they signed um, Trevor Sibian. He'll probably be contending for the starting spot. I think Zach Wilson gets one more week, and then honestly, I will just cut him because I mean he's he's putting up Jamarcus Russell numbers. Like literally, if you compare his numbers with Jamarcus Russell, they're they're the same stats, and that that's not something that that you can win with. That's not that's not good for either party. Um, so I, I think you need to move on. Yeah, I I wish I wish that they could fix the, the mental side for him, but you know the organization wasn't able to do it for Sam Darnold and. And I, I just I don't think they can do it for Zach Wilson and and that's... Well, and I don't think they can either because they brought in Aaron Rodgers for a reason. Yeah. Well, I I do think Aaron Rodgers was meant to be two things for the Jets. He was meant to help them win a Super Bowl, and he was also meant to help Zach Wilson improve. You know what I mean? I I mean, look at what Jordan Love is now with the Packers. Like, that's very much. Jordan Love for three seasons being able to sit in a quarterback room with Aaron Rodgers. And I think that that's showing on the field right now because he seems to be playing pretty decent. I think there's a lot of things Jordan Love still needs to improve on. But at the end of the day, I think Zach Wilson would have benefited from a season or two sitting behind Aaron Rodgers and learning and understanding the game the way that he understands it and preparing the way that Aaron Rodgers prepares and I think that we would see a different Zach Wilson because of it, but we didn't get that because Aaron Rodgers' season was cut so short. So I understand I that argument, but I think the situations are completely different. Like uh, Jordan Love was drafted, didn't play a, he didn't start a single game. He played a couple snaps, but he was really just there to be a student to Aaron Rodgers. Zach Wilson has already started for two years is already mentally broken. Jordan love wasn't mentally broken. So now you're, you're bringing in Aaron Rodgers to save the franchise and win a super bowl, but try to fix a broken down car and, and Zach Wilson, like Aaron Rodgers, he can teach you how to be a good quarterback, but you can't ask him to be your quarterback, teach Zach Wilson, how to be a better quarterback and be his therapist and fix him mentally. I'm not saying he would be successful, but I mean, but, the the best way to kind of help a guy who is a little bit mentally broken at the quarterback position is for him not to continue playing the quarterback position and to have him sit back and develop. You know what I mean? I think I get that, but he also has to show that he cares because it doesn't look like that he really cares that much. 
I'm sure he if you, cares. If you look I at mean, him, that's, that's probably not fair to say he doesn't care. He's probably he's trying. Like it's just I I just don't think that I sometimes the talent doesn't doesn't translate because of because mentally a player just isn't able to get it to translate. And I don't think it's because he doesn't care. I just think like I listed the things out. I think he's scared of failing. I think he's putting so much pressure on himself to be successful. I think he's feeling the pressure from the town that he lives in and his teammates. And like you said, I I don't think he wants to be in another situation where his teammates are looking at somebody like Mike white, who really shouldn't be a starter in the league anyway and looking at him being like, this is our guy over over you. I think that really shakes somebody's confidence. That really hurts somebody in that headspace. And I, I, I don't know. I, I I do think Aaron Rodgers could have helped him manage that and get better. And he doesn't have that now. He's just he's just playing. And as much as they say he's their guy, I just don't know how you can continue to allow him to go out there and be that bad with the team that they have that that should be competing for a playoff spot at this point. So, I don't know. Last topic, guys, of the current topics for the NFL. We kind of talked about that Broncos game a little bit earlier where they lost 70-20, to 20, but th- this season as a whole has hasn't really gone the way I think they wanted it to go or or maybe where the fan base for the Broncos thought it was going to be. But last year, everybody really blamed Russell Wilson for this team's failures. Can you blame Russell Wilson for the Broncos having a rough start to the season? And if not, whose fault is it? Uh, David? Well, first and foremost, I got to start with the coaching staff. Because under Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson did he did perfectly fine. Did he have his off off moments? Yeah, and that would be on him. <clears throat> but for me, it starts with the coaching staff and having the coaching staff putting the team in the best position they can, and then having it play out. It's like we said before with the defense. They really need to start over a getting a new defense and new defensive coaching staff because there's nothing that Russell Wilson can do about the defense giving up 70 points at the end of the day. It's like he can do he can keep you off the off the field as best he can, but at the same time you have to keep yourself off the field as best you can too for the defense. So it's I don't know what to put it on in terms of percentages, but it's coaching staff, then players, and then furthermore, defense, offense. All right, all right. Uh, Dom, what's your opinion? Um, I mean, looking at Russ's stats right now, I really wouldn't put any of the blame on him. I mean, he threw three games. He's at six touchdowns, two interceptions, a uh, QB rating of 99.5. So, I mean, really – the team being 0-3, I don't think is his fault. Um, offensive line hasn't been that great. They've had really no production from the running back room at all. Um, Cortland Sutton has been disappointing. Finally caught a touchdown pass this week, but had two fumbles. So I, I think, you know, the, the offense, maybe the scheme just isn't that great. I think Russ is trying to make the best of it. 
But that defense, I don't like I said earlier, I don't know what happened to it, but it's been horrible. Um offensively, you know, if they were able to get more production out of their running backs, they'd be in a much better spot. But that's not going to make up for the defense giving up as many points that they are. All right. Let me ask this real quick before I move on. Do you think that Denver should be in sell now mode and rebuild mode? Try to recruit like what Dom was saying and in, in draft picks that they spent, you know, on the head coach and Russell Wilson and kind of treat this season as a loss, maybe tank for Caleb Williams. Or do you think that they'll figure it out and kind of push forward and make the playoffs this year? I'll leave it open to whoever wants to answer. I don't think they're going to be able to sell because you're not going to be able to trade Russell Wilson because no one's going to take on his contract. Yeah. Um, that I mean, that's their biggest piece. If they were going to rebuild, that's the piece that they would move, but they can't move him. Everyone else on that team, you're not going to be able to recoup the, the amount of assets that you gave up to get Russell Wilson and Sean Payton in the building. Um, I mean, you, you could probably trade, you know, your top offensive and defensive guys for mid-round picks, but you're not going to be able to get much. So it at that point, it's almost better just holding on to them. Maybe some lighting contracts expire. Um, unfortunately, they're going to be in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes, but do you do you draft Caleb Williams and stick him behind Russ for the remainder of his contract because he signed a four-year deal? So I mean, he, you're gonna you're gonna ask Caleb Williams to sit for two years learning under a guy like Russ and Sean Payton? I I don't know. It's just not a good, not a good situation to be in. Um, I think they're stuck with Russ and in, in the draft. I think they go elsewhere other than quarterback just because they have to. Yeah, I don't have much to add to that. So, I mean, listen, I they they could eat a lot of that contract to get Russ off. Like they could just be like, we'll take, we'll we'll pay him, and a team could be like, okay, and maybe they could get you know, a third round pick out of Russell Wilson or a second round pick out of Russell Wilson or something like that. If, if, if they're willing to do that, you know I mean? I think like a team like the jets goes to them and says, Hey, you, you pay 60% of his contract through the remaining of it. And we'll pay 40% and we'll give you a second round pick for him. I think if I'm the Broncos, I, I would consider it, but that just, Why? I think, I think you, you it, traded, how many first round picks and players for Russ just to flip him a year and a half later for a second? That, that not, doesn't make any not, sense. But he's not worth all that now. Like, is he? But, but is he is he worth a first at this point? I mean, I, no. I guess so at that point, just getting a second in return for what you gave up for him, I you're I think you're better off holding on to him at that point. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could try to retool and I, I don't know. I mean Maybe, maybe, maybe they turn into buyers. Maybe they go try to buy on the defense side of the ball. You know what I mean? I think what there's. Well, I don't think they can because they don't have the draft capital to be buyers. Yeah, I think, I think the best court, the best course of action for them is to sell a little bit, recap a little bit of draft capital, um, but retool around Russ because you're stuck building around him. Yeah. So in free agency, bring in some pieces on that offense, and then you really have to hit on those mid-round picks. Because I mean, there, there's there's a lot of talent to be found 
in rounds two through five. It's just you have to really do your homework on those guys. But you can find quality starters later in the draft. And I think that's what the the Broncos have to do. Yeah. All right. Let's go into fourth quarter projection time. Let's hit these real quick. No reason to have a lengthy super conversation about them unless uh, somebody says something a little out of pocket. Uh, Thursday night, Packers-Lions. Should be a pretty decent game. Um, I'm excited to kind of watch that one. What do you guys think? Who wins? What's the score? David? Uh, I think it's going to be a close one. I'm going to say Lions over Packers. I'm going to go 25-20. Okay, 25-20. Dom, who wins? What's the score? Um, Lions 35-28. 35-28. I like it. Um, yeah, I'm going to say Lions as well. I'm going to say 28-21, and somebody on the Packers comes out with one less kneecap. All right, Sunday game. Because <laughs> they bet them all off. <laughs> We're going to bite about the kneecaps. All right. I don't, think I don't think it's a primetime game on Sunday, but it seemed like the best game to uh, kind of preview for Sunday, but it was Dolphins-Bills. Very much a playoff game, I feel like. Dom, who do you got winning? What's the score? Um, This one's going to be closer than I think most people think just because the Bills have a, a good defense. I'm going to say Dolphins 28-21. Okay, David, score who wins? As much as this may pain me because I love like a a blue collar town team like the Bills, um, I'm gonna say Dolphins as well. Um, thirty twenty six. Thirty twenty six. I I do agree that I don't think the Dolphins are gonna drop a ton of points on the Bills, but I I think the Dolphins win this game, and I think it's. I think it's by a couple touchdowns. Um, I just, I believe in this offense that much. And Josh Allen still is having his turnover woes. I think he has to fix that a little bit this season. But I think we look at a game that could be 40-28, I think, when it's all said and done. I think that's that's probably a pretty fair, I don't know. I just think they win by a couple scores, so... Let us know what you guys think about at home about this Sunday game. This is probably going to be one of the better games of the week, and it honestly could be super close like the guys are saying, and maybe there's just a ton. Maybe we get, you know, 70 to, to 60 or something. I, I don't know. That That's where we could be at. <laughs> All right. Uh, Monday night. I don't really – I hate that this is a primetime game, but you got the Giants versus the Seahawks. Who wins? What's the score, David? Uh, I'm going to say Seahawks over Giants. Um, I'm going to say 35-15. I think Geno Smith and the Seahawks have made somewhat of a comeback. I don't think they're as explosive as, as, explosive as they were last beginning of the season, but they've definitely made somewhat of a return. So, All right. Uh, Dom, what do you think? Um, America loses Seahawks win 17-3. 17-3? Oh, man. That's a tough game to watch. That's almost as bad as what the Browns-Steelers game was. Yeah, I mean, neither offense is great. The Giants, as long as they don't have Saquon Barkley, are not going to put up more than 
10 points in a game. I, I don't know. Um, they had 10 Saquon Barkley's. They have Daniel Jones at their quarterback position. They will forever yeah. be a bad team. I, I don't. Hey, they won a playoff game last year. All right. I think the Seahawks win this game. <laughs> I think it's 28 to three. I think that's where we sit. Daniel Jones is one of the, I, I honestly think he's a, a bottom 10 quarterback in the league and he's getting paid like he's a top 10 quarterback in the league. And it's just very unfortunate. I'm sorry, Giants fans. You have to now deal with this man as your quarterback for at least three seasons. And I don't know what to do to fix it for you. So that's uh, I, I think you're more stuck than, than any franchise has been in, in a long time. So yeah, Seahawks win this one. All right, last one up. We're going to go a little bit of college football. Obviously, Colorado got boat raced by Oregon. What do you guys think? Do you think Colorado keeps it close with USC, or do you think it's uh, another beatdown? Dom? It's going to be a beatdown. Um, USC is probably going to win, like, now 50-20, 55-20. All right, David? I think that USC wins this game. Heck, I do 40-10. to 10. All right, all right. Um, I do think that the USC defense is not as good as Oregon's defense, so I do think Colorado scores a little bit more on them, but I still think USC wins. I, I'm in probably the same boat as Dom. I think it ends up being like 50, 55 to 20 maybe. I think that's probably where we're at. And 20 might be a little bit optimistic. Um, We'll have to see how they bounce back. So, All right, let us know what you guys think at home about those predictions for the upcoming week all right guys real quick i do i do have a few quick fun games to play we're gonna play would you rather jared goff has had a really good start to his season the lions look pretty decent i think if they keep developing they keep looking this good i think this is definitely a playoff team so we're gonna play would you rather with jared goff first up jared goff or geno smith I'll leave the floor open. Goff. Goff on that one. Don't get me wrong. Geno Smith is doing fine, but Goff definitely. All right. I agree. I agree. Uh, Jared Goff or Kirk Cousins? Kirk Cousins over Goff if there was better coaching. Because as, say... oh, because as play, Kirk Cousins over Goff. But like we said before, not necessarily Kirk Cousins' fault. I'm going to say golf. Usually, I would I would take Cousins in in these situations, but I think golf fits this offense better. Uh, there, there's just a, a connection that he has with with the organization where I think he's right now the best man for the job. I think they're very close. Like, I'm going to say Kirk Cousins. I. I don't think Jared Goff is a bad quarterback. I think they're very close. I do. I think that really, honestly, you could go with either one of them. But I don't think that Kirk Cousins would do like so much better than Jared Goff. I just i I like Kirk Cousins' consistency as a quarterback. Um, and Jared Goff is really kind of starting to hit a stride again, where he's starting to be productive again. So I think. Ask me in two weeks. Maybe I'll go with Jared Goff, but I think they're close. You could go with either one. Um, here's a fun one. Uh, Jared Goff or Daniel Jones? 
I take David over Daniel Jones. No, you wouldn't. No, you. <laughs> and we and we know his numbers in that. Oh, Mike, no, you would not. David is David's. He put worse numbers up than Jameis Winston did. I think David had like fifty passing touchdowns and like sixty interceptions and a mat. I I can't even. I, but he's my friend, so I'd give him forty five million dollars over Daniel Jones. So, yeah. All right, last one. Uh, Jared Goff or Brock Purdy? Oh. Um, like... Wow. See, I'm not I'm not 100% sold on Purdy. I really respect what he's done. I think he's the perfect Kyle Shanahan quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's not really asked to do a lot. All he has to do is dump it off to Debo Samuel and um, Brandon Ayuk and Christian McCaffrey and whatever whatever other piece that they have on that loaded offense. Um, I feel like he would be asked to do more in Detroit just because they they really only have um, Sun God and Jamar Gibbs. The rest of that wide receiving room is unproven. So I don't know how he would do because he's being asked to do more. So with that, I'd probably say golf just because we know that he's able to be successful with this team. Yeah, I was going to say J- Jared Goff as well. I, I, I'm i going to say Goff. I agree. I think if we were able to see Purdy do more with less, then I would agree. But I, I guess also that's probably unfair because he hasn't had to, and he's been... Right, yeah, I mean, you can't really hold it against him for being with... But I guess, I guess here's, the- here's my only point to still pick Goff is... When you think about offensive weapon talent, I think you could look at the 49ers and Dolphins and be like, that's probably the best in the league. And you would think, hey, like Shanahan and um, McVay are two of the smartest offensive minds in the league and probably two of the best play callers in the league. So why is Tua having so much success with his weapons and Brock Purdy is not putting up the same numbers? Now, they're still winning, but Brock Purdy's not putting up the same numbers. The so, offenses are completely different. How? San Francisco focuses a lot on running the ball and short passes where Miami is more passes 15, 20 yards downfield, burners, you know, people running just straight nines but they're still, all the time. They're, they're still doing short passes. It's not like they're not. And a lot of a lot of times when Tyreek Hill gets hit, it's it's on a little ten yard out or yeah, that, slam. That's that's Tyreek Hill. Like the whole off the overall, I think the 49ers offense is more based on the West Coast system, which doesn't focus on big chunk plays. It's dink and dunk down the field, have plays average five, six yards, and tire the opponent's defense out with 10, nine, 10 play drives. I don't know. I, I still I still think that you have to be like, mm. but I mean, hey, we all pick golf anyway. So I don't know. Let us know at home what you guys think. Would you take golf over all those guys, or would some of those guys maybe be better than golf for you? All right. Here's the most important one of the night. Will they? Won't they? Guys, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Don't fucking care. Yeah. You don't, don't care. You don't care. I don't give this. a fuck. You don't I don't care get the power couple no. that would be created. I don't get honestly. I don't care. 
There are two. Let them live their fucking lives. There are two people dating. I don't care. I I hope they will. I think it'd be fun. It'd be cool. That'd be a fun time. You know, Travis Kelsey bagged the the pop princess. Man, I don't know how. I don't know how much better you can get with that. You're just hating on the storyline. Anyway, we'll go into our. No, fun I just little... don't care. All right, we're going to our fun fact section. It's called "Did You Know." Guys, did you know that Mike not. that Mike McDaniel used to be the Broncos ball boy? Yes. Only because I heard it on ESPN earlier this week. Oh. How about you, David? I think I just read about it on Facebook during the session, but prior to tonight, no. During you're Maybe on that Facebook, explains you're, the 70 points. David, you're on Facebook while we're recording right now? Yeah, I was when I wasn't talking. All right. This is why he asked dumbass questions like, is it Miami of Ohio? You know what? Wow. Jeez. Are you, right. you're, you're complaining about me, but we got Dom over here playing PlayStation. He's not playing PlayStation. Are you playing PlayStation, Dom? Guys, what? We're trying to run a podcast here. Are you kidding me? What? You can't focus. They control the. The, the controller's like off to the side. I have it on, but okay. I'm not doing anything. All right. We can't focus for an hour and a half around here. Oh, my gosh. All right. Next, did you know? This is the last one. Guys, did you know that Andrew Beck, the fullback for the ty- the Texans, who uh, returned that kick for a touchdown this past week, he is the heaviest player with a kick return of at least 50 yards at 255 pounds. Did not know that. Not know that either. It's very Ooh, interesting. Gotta love a big man touchdown. Big man touchdown, two fifty five. <laughs> All right, last game of the week of the uh, episode here, guys. Overreaction time. Overreaction. Do factor cap. No, we won't do factor cap this week, but we will do overreaction. Overreaction. C.J. Stroud should have been the number one draft pick. No, I think he should have been. Yeah, he should have been on that one. All right. I, I was never really high on Bryce Young anyways, just because he's 5'10 on a good day, can barely see over the offensive line. He's maybe 170 pounds, so he's going to get broken in half anytime a defensive tackle sacks him. Um, I don't know. Just I see him as another Kyler Murray, and everyone was so high on Kyler Murray, and we all know how that played out. Yeah. All right. I agree. I don't think it's an overreaction. I I think C.J. Stroud is looking to be the best quarterback from this draft. Um, yeah, I I will go as far to say is he'll probably be the best Ohio State quarterback in the NFL, probably for I, the next no that that we've seen in a long time. Yeah, probably in our lifetime, probably ever because Ohio State hasn't been able to put out good NFL quarterbacks. I do I do think Ohio State's on that trajectory where they could produce decent quarterback play within the NFL going forward. I think Ryan Day, that's the one good thing that he's able to do. Um obviously Dom and I had our our argument about Justin Fields over text. So I didn't really want to rehash it on the podcast. But I do think if Justin that's Fields a whole other episode in itself. <laughs> what? That's a whole other episode in itself. Yeah. All right. I'll go back to looking at Facebook, David. Um, I think I think if Justin Fields could uh have a better offensive staff and maybe be in a better organization, we could 
hopefully see him flourish better, but I just don't think it's going to happen. So, yeah, I think C.J. Stroud is probably going to be the best Ohio State quarterback that we've seen in the league ever and has the potential to be that for a very long time. So, yeah. All right, last overreaction, guys. The Dolphins can score 70 points again this season. No. No, they peak. Like, they, how do you, you – no, you can't – you're not going to be able to do that again. Unless you play the Broncos again, which they don't. So, no. I, I Happy for Dolphins fans they were able to see their team put up 70 points, but, like, you, you're, you're not going to play that good again. So, enjoy it while you can. Yeah, I don't see it happening again either. If it does, great for them. But realistically speaking, no. Listen, I hope. Oh, and if they do, David will jump at the lake. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I hope it happens again. I think that'd be super freaking cool. Because you want to see David jump at the lake. <laughs> no, I just I just want to talk about Miami again, so David could be looking at Facebook and get confused on whether or not we're talking about Miami of Ohio, who hasn't <laughs> been relevant since Ben Roethlisberger was their quarterback all those years ago. <laughs> Uh, you know, I just oh, say, boy. Yeah. oh boy, I got, I got, you know, Ashley said the other day, every day you got to have beef with somebody. And today, David, I got beef with you. You got beef with beef. <laughs> I got beef with <laughs> All right, everybody, we are off the rails. Thank you for listening to another episode of two minute drill presented by deep dive sports. Check us out wherever you get your podcast, follow, click on the link. That gets posted with our post. It takes you to a link tree that has all of the links in it for all of our social media, where you can find us, listen to us, all that good jazz. So please, please, please check that out. Tell your friends about us and then comment on our post. Let us know what you think. Other than that, thank you for listening and we will catch you in the next one. The next one. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Two Minute Drill. And make sure to follow the show on Instagram at Two Minute Drill Podcast, D-D-S. Don't forget to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can listen to all of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. Also, comment on all our posts and episodes. We would love to hear what you think about the show and what we talk about each week. And as always, Two Minute Drill listeners, until next time.